Well, this weekend is actually a very special weekend for a couple of different reasons. Uh, Larry and Dorothy Sheeler reached out to me yesterday and told me that yesterday, which is June 25th, uh, 2022, is actually the 83rd anniversary of Chillicothe First Church of the Nazarene. That our church is 83 years old. That's what he told me. So that is a, a, an incredible accomplishment that we have had people ministering here right on this east side of Chillicothe for over 83 years. And I know there was ministry happening even before that because it started with a tent revival with, uh, you know, just a, a great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. Uncle Buddy Robinson was one of the evangelists for that tent revival. And to see how God used that revival and has brought us 83 years into the future and God is still ministering and helping people on the east side of Chillicothe is absolutely phenomenal. And then another thing for me personally, I remember three years ago, it was the last Sunday in June and I was able to announce to you and the last Sunday in June in 2019 that I was going to accept a call to be your pastor. So this has been a great journey for me. I never expected COVID to kind of impact us like we did, but once again, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And God has been faithful for these last several years. I couldn't have done it without Pastor Jeremy, without Pastor Sarah Dupre, um, and all of you that have helped and, and come alongside. I'm a bivocational minister, so I don't have the time that I would love to pour into this church, but it's because of faithful servants like you that God is continuing this ministry for 83 years and even more. I, I think the next 83 years are even gonna be better than the first 83 years. So I was really glad to hear that from Larry and, uh, and just to, to celebrate that today. We've got a lot to celebrate when it comes to the Lord. Uh, this morning, I really wanna talk a little bit about surrender. This is one of my favorite topics in all the Bible. And it's probably because I'm a Nazarene pastor, so I'm drawn to scriptures that really talk about this because when you look at scriptural themes, surrender, consecration, sanctification is all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is something that God calls us to. Like we sang about today, the call unto holiness is a call of surrender. And that does not come easily. And I think you're going to see in today's story how that can impact even your most precious things in your life that God is calling you to so that he can consecrate them and make them for his purpose. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna look at Genesis chapter 22, verses one through 12. We know this story a long time ago. We've heard this in Bible school, but let's look at it with fresh and new eyes today. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Genesis 22, we'll start reading in verse one. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here am I, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your one and only son, who you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. 
When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and they placed it on his son Isaac. And he cut, he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they had reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Dear Heavenly Father, we think of this story that for centuries was told around campfires, that was spoken of in synagogues, read in churches. And we know that this story is true, but not only is it true, it is God-breathed. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Let your Holy Spirit teach us today what you want us to do with every area of our life. Let us follow Abraham's example and ultimately your example to surrender all to you. We love you, God, and we ask this in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So I have an admission to make. I do not like tests. I hate tests. Uh, you know, I like reading, I like studying, but when I have to sit down and take a test on the materials that I've read and studied, I get a little scared. I, I have test anxiety. I didn't do so well on the ACT because I had test anxiety. It kind of scares me. And one of the dreaded words that I always heard when I was growing up in school was, today we're going to do a pop quiz. I was like, oh. I'm not ready for that, a pop quiz, okay. So today, I wanna give you guys a pop quiz, all right? So hopefully, you don't have the test anxiety that I have. So here's my first question. In which battle did Napoleon die? The answer, his last one. That is it, the battle that Napoleon died was his last one, obviously. All right, how do you convert centimeters into meters? It's really easy. You just take out the centi and then you've got the meter right there. It, it, it works perfectly, you see? All right, how about this one? River Ravier flows in which state? If 
you remember from science, it's the liquid state. It's not gas, it's not a solid, it's a liquid state. Okay, here's another one. What ended in 1896? Hey, 1895 ended in 18, yes, that's exactly right. And my last one, this is probably a little bit of a math question for you. I don't like math either. Bob has 36 candy bars. He eats 29 of them. What does he have now? Diabetes <laughs> is what he has now. I do not do well on these tests, obviously. So it is tests just scare me. They, they, they freak me out. So what did we do with the text that says the following is a test from God to Abraham? You know, our little quiz today, that was nothing compared to the test that God gave Abraham. And what do you do with a text? And this one always makes me pause. What do you do with a text that says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him to me? I, I've, I've heard a lot of you know, scholars and, and theologians kind of explain what's going on here. And, and some of the explanations to me just aren't very satisfying. You know, some would say, well, Abraham is old at this stage. He's probably over 100 and maybe 120 years old. Maybe he's getting a little senile, maybe a little dementia setting in. Maybe he just ate a bad lamb chop, but maybe he just doesn't understand what God is asking of him. That doesn't satisfy me. Maybe he doesn't understand what God is saying. Maybe he just misunderstood the command that God's given him. Once again, I don't think so. And then I've even heard some say, well, the Canaanite religions around that area, it was very prevalent for them to sacrifice children and sacrifice humans to their gods. And so maybe Abraham is just conforming to the Canaanite religions around him. Once again, that is not the answer. You see, my Bible tells me that Abraham was a friend of God. If you look at James chapter 2, verses 23, and we studied this when we were in James, James, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was called a friend of God. Several months ago, I got a phone call on my call on my cell phone, and I didn't recognize the number. And usually I think, oh, that's spam. So I'm going to go right, I'll decline it, let it go right into voicemail. But for some reason, I picked up this phone call that I didn't recognize the number. And as I started saying hello, I heard the voice and I instantly knew it was one of my friends from college. And we talked, we talked for a long time. It was great to catch up, but I knew my friend's voice. Even though we had not talked for years and years and years, Sherry and I, I think, are celebrating our 20th college reunion this fall. Um, and it's years and years since we have, uh, we have been to college, but I recognize my friend's voice instantly. If you're a friend of God and he asks you to do something, there's no misunderstanding his voice. There's no saying, well, maybe I just misinterpreted that. Abraham knew what God was asking. He was a friend of God, and he knew exactly what God was asking. Think of this. Abraham was 99 years old, and Sarah was 89, when they first heard the promise 
that God was going to give them a son. In fact, we know from that Bible story that Sarah heard that and she just started laughing because that makes no sense. She's 89 years old. Abraham's 99. How is that ever going to make sense? But then suddenly Isaac is born. Can you imagine that? What that must have meant to Abraham and Isaac or Abraham and Sarah? I mean, Sarah, she's 89, 90 years old, and suddenly she's craving pickles and ice cream. She is pregnant. She has been longing for a child all her life, and God has given her this blessing. And think of Abraham when he finally has that baby boy in his arms, and he's showing them. And I almost think of him standing in the maternity ward. You know how they have that glass there, and you're kind of looking to pick out your son. I almost imagine Abraham standing there, and maybe another young dad. The young dad's 22. Abraham's 100. And they're standing there, and the 22-year-old's going, there's my son. And then Abraham kind of picks up his walker a little bit and says, and there's my son. There's my son. And what a miracle. What a miracle. In fact, the whole story is kind of hilarious. And it's interesting that Abraham and Sarah named their son Laughter. Isaac means laughter. Because even in the midst of all the barren years that they tried and tried to have kids, God provided laughter, provided joy, provided the promise that he gave them. So to me, there was no doubt that God kept his promise and Abraham knew God's voice. So when Abraham heard that voice of God, there was no question what God was asking to do. Not only did Abraham know God's voice, he knew God's command. You see, this wasn't the first time God had asked him to do something. You'll remember 50 years ago, God actually called him out of his homeland to go to a place that he was not even sure where he was going. So with that call, Abraham was leaving his comfort, his security. But now God's asking him, not to just give up his comfort and security. He's asking him to give up his joy, his dearest love, his most important, precious thing in his life, his baby son, Isaac. Abraham knew God's command, and he was obedient. Abraham loved Isaac more than he loved his own life. God was asking him to give Isaac back, How would Abraham respond? Here's a question for you today. How would you respond? How would I respond? Abraham responded with one Hebrew word. The Hebrew word was hinani, hinani. So God says, Abraham, and Abraham says, hinani, God, hinani. That means here I am. And it's not just a a place that denotes your location. It really is a word that denotes your heart. It means, God, I'm willing to do whatever you ask. There is no hesitation, no resistance, just hin and knee, God, hin and knee. And that was Abraham's response to this incredible request from God. 
How could Abraham obey God's command? Even when it didn't make sense, how could he obey that? It just didn't seem like the God that he knew and loved and followed and trusted all of his days. But Abraham believed God would do whatever was necessary to keep his promise to him. Isaac was a fulfillment of God's promise. Hebrews eleven nineteen tells us Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So Abraham believed that God, if he was calling him to lay Isaac down on the altar and sacrifice him, and if he was put to death, Abraham had enough faith that God could raise Isaac from the dead. Now, let me tell you, this was before the days of Lazarus coming out of the tomb. This was before the little, the little girl was brought back to life. This was even before Easter where Jesus rose triumphantly from the grave. Abraham had never seen God do that, but his faith was strong enough and he believed and trusted God so much that even if he had to give Isaac to God through death, that God was powerful enough to bring life through resurrection and help Isaac. And I love that you see the faith in Genesis 22:5, when Abraham tells his two servants, my boy and I, Isaac, we're going to go up on the mountain. We're going to worship. But look what he says. We will come back to you. We're going to go up to worship. They didn't know. I was, God's told me this to sacrifice my son. But Abraham had enough faith to tell the servants, I will come back with my son and we will be back with you because I serve a God that's going to help me get through this situation. So Abraham was obedient. Early the next morning. I like that phrase, early the next morning. He didn't take a week to think about God's command. He didn't take several days to call the prayer chain and say, hey, what do you guys think? We should pray. No, he didn't sit around and argue with God. He just obeyed. Hin and knee, hin and knee, here I am. And early the next morning, he got up, saddled the donkey, and the two of them were off to obey God. Verse three is interesting too, because it says Abraham himself cut the wood. This guy's 120 years old. I'm 52 years old and I have a hard time cutting wood. It's not an easy job. Abraham was a rich guy. He had servants. There were two servants there. He could have had the servants cut that wood. He could have had Isaac cut that wood. But no, Abraham himself cut the wood. Why would he do that? Because Abraham knew that the part of his obedience was not going to be asking someone else to do what God had called him to do. And when God asked you to do something, you need to be all in. Hin and knee, here I am. And you need to do whatever he calls you to do. Abraham demonstrated this with the most, the, the final exam, the biggest test of his life. Abraham ex exemplified that. The Bible says they journey to a place called Mount Moriah. If you ever study Bible maps, you'll know that Mount Moriah is located right around another famous site, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, in fact, we know Jerusalem is that holy city on the mount. Many scholars believe that Mount Moriah, where this story took place, was right there in the vicinity of Jerusalem. 
This was holy ground. This was a holy place. And God was calling him to this exact specific place to give the greatest sacrifice of his life. Verse six says, Abraham carries the fire and the knife and Isaac carries the wood to the top of the mountain. Brings up an interesting question. How old do you think Isaac is? I know Abraham calls him a boy. I call Evan a boy. And Evan's like 19 years old. He's still my boy. But I know in the text, Abraham calls Isaac a boy. And you look at the, the verses, like verse 20, chapter 21, Isaac was definitely weaned from Sarah at that point. And then chapter 22 begins, sometime later. It denotes that, now that's not like hours later, that's not even months later. Many times when the writers of the Old Testament and the New Testament put in some kind of passage of time, they're denoting that a lot of time has transpired. Sometime later, God came to Abraham and talked to him. And so we always think that Isaac's this little guy, but why would Abraham make him carry a rick of wood up this big mountain if he was just a little boy, five, six years old? Jewish historian Josephus estimates Isaac probably was more like 25 years old. He was a full-grown man. He would be capable of carrying that rick of wood, but he would also be capable of resisting a 120-year-old dad if he tried to put him on an altar. If I tried to put Evan on an altar today, he's much stronger than me. I, he could easily resist. I would not have a chance of doing that. And neither did Abraham at 120 years old if he was trying to place Isaac onto this altar and Isaac somewhere around 25 years old. So you might be saying, well, why does that even make a difference? The difference is, is that Isaac, just like Abraham was obedient to his heavenly father, Isaac was being obedient to his earthly father. He was being obedient to what God had told Abraham. And I love this. For the first time ever in the Bible, Isaac speaks. And he asks his dad as they're walking up this great hill, Mount Moriah, to go to the place that God has called them. He asks them, there's fire and wood here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? What a profound question. And Abraham's answer is even more profound. Verse 8. God will provide for himself the lamb. That is a prophetic verse. God himself will provide for the lamb. You see, no longer is it a test on if Abraham's going to pass with obedience. He's doing that. But now God's on the hook. God's going to do something incredible. God's going to do something because Abraham was obedient, something that we could never even imagine. A miracle's going to take place, and God himself will provide the lamb. Can I tell you, when you are obedient to God, when you give him everything, when you consecrate your all in all to him, he does miracles when we are following his will. What did Jesus say in the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but thy will be done. Abraham is modeling that same philosophy, and God himself is going to do something that's going to be beyond Abraham and Isaac that's going to reach to us today in 2022 because of the obedience of his people. We need to be obedient to God, not just partially, 
but completely. Henani, Henani, I am here. Can you imagine? Abraham builds that altar and binds his son. Isaac is pretty much, my feelings is, he allows his 120-year-old dad to put him on that altar. It's significant that there's no record of a conversation or even a struggle. If Isaac wanted to, he could have resisted Abraham, but he didn't. I believe Isaac's not resisting because deep in his heart, he has come to trust the God that his father trusts. I love Pastor Jeremy's sermon last week for Father's Day. Faithful followers following Christ. You see, Abraham was a faithful follower who followed God, Yahweh, who followed him. He did everything that he said. And Isaac, probably around 25 years old, for the last several years, saw his father obey God and follow him, even when it didn't make sense. And because of that, Isaac allowed himself to be laid on that altar. And Abraham was obedient to the Lord. Can you fathom the moment that Abraham takes God's blessing, his one and only son, and he puts him on that altar. And as he raises that knife and their eyes meet, his dearest love and greatest joy is lying on the altar of God. And in obedience, He's ready to put down that knife. But then suddenly, God says, no, Abraham, Abraham, Henani, here am I, here am I. Abraham, put down your knife. Put down your knife. I can see that you're following me. So here's the question this morning. What is your Isaac? that person or thing that you love the most in this world, that person or thing that you're most afraid of losing. You see, I, I gladly give God my sin. I don't want that. My addictions, he can have them. My brokenness, no, I don't want any of that. Clean me up, Lord, here I am. I surrender all that to you. But what about that thing that you love so much that you cling to with white knuckles because it's so precious to you. What about that? Are you willing to lay that on the altar of God? That thing, and I know what my Isaac is because anytime I feel like it's threatened or I'm gonna lose it, I get fearful. Sometimes I get angry. You can't take that, that's mine. That's what our Isaac is. That thing that is most precious, that thing that we would die for, the thing that, that is greater to us than life itself. It could be a child, a grandchild, a spouse, a relationship, a marriage. Maybe your dream for a future, your career, your job. Maybe an image, a reputation you have, your way of life. Your Isaac could be your ministry because it's so precious to you, so vital to you. But God says, I want all of you, not only the brokenness, not only those parts that you don't want, but those things that you love dearly, those things that give you the greatest joy. The greatest test of faith in God 
is not giving up our sin. We gladly give that up. But it's giving up to God what is most dear to us. Are you willing to give God even your Isaac today? Dennis Kinlaw is a holiness preacher. And he says, one of the biggest examples of holiness is that holiness is not holding any area of our life back from God. Every area of our life is under God's control. And that includes even those things that are most precious to us. Abraham is standing over Isaac, that knife raised. The angel of the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham replied, Hinani, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to harm him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son, your only son to me. And then I love this image. Abraham, after this whole exchange, sees this ram caught in the thicket and he substitutes Isaac for the, the, for the ram. The ram becomes the substitute. Instead of Isaac being that sacrifice, the ram becomes the sacrifice. So not only did God provide the sacrifice, he gave Abraham his dearest love back. But here's the difference. Isaac was fully consecrated to God at that point. And I love what Abraham called that place. He said, it is Jehovah Jireh, which means God's provides. Because God provided the ram for the sacrifice, Abraham named that place Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. And what a beautiful, beautiful picture that is. Now, this might seem to sound very familiar to you because it foreshadows another story. There's another father who has a son, an only son, that he decides not to ask us to give up our one and only son, not to give up our thing like Abraham, but he says, if I'm gonna ask them to do that, I'm gonna do it myself. And so very much near that place, Mount Moriah in the city of Jerusalem, we see God the Father offering the Lamb of God. Who will provide the Lamb? God himself will provide the Lamb. And we can see clearly in this Old Testament story that God is saying, if I'm going to ask them to give up their most precious thing, I'm going to give up my most precious thing as well. You can trust a God like that. You can trust a God who gives up his all, his most precious thing, and let him do that in your life. We need to understand God has given us his all. We need to give him our all as well. And that's how we experience intimacy with God. Throughout the Tabernacle series, we talked about how God wants a relationship with us, how he wants to be intimate with us. And the way we do that is that God want, only wants to save us. He wants to have intimacy. You see, sanctification is not only about God having complete control of every area of my life, but it's about complete intimacy with God. And the only way you can love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is if you're willing to give him everything, including that thing that is most precious to you, that thing you can't live without, that thing that you hold on to with all your might because you're afraid to lose it.
Are you willing to give God your Isaac? Last weekend, you know I wasn't here. Evan and I were at Trebekah, Nazarene University. We had a blast. We had a great time. It was a, it was a wonderful weekend for just a father and son to get away. And we got to go in and we got to see Evan's new dorm, Benson Hall. We took some pictures of what it could look like. I'm sure Evan's room will be far cooler than this. But it was fun. We got to see he even got a roommate, which was great. We were praying that God would provide a roommate, and God provided him a roommate. We were, we were happy about that. While we were in Nashville, we got to see some old friends from Lancaster, believe it or not. This is one of Evan's high school friends in Lancaster that just happened to be in Nashville. And we were hanging out, having, what was it, $20 shakes, which... Insane, insane. I guess it's that inflation they keep talking about. And we got to meet new friends, new friends. Some of my friends from college and some new people that are going to be freshmen at Trevecca this year. It was a blast. And then we got to go to some of the local establishments, restaurants. Evan hates this picture, so I'm glad I was able to include it in there. But uh, we, we got to go to the, and eat some of the local fare. And what I liked about this restaurant, I knew I was in the right place. It was a greasy spoon, but I knew I was in the right place because when I walked in, I saw this sign, raised on sweet tea and Jesus. I was like, yeah, these are my people. I love sweet tea and I love Jesus. This is great. So we had this amazing time, amazing weekend. And as we went through that weekend, and even as I was driving home, and even as I was preparing this week, I started to think about what the next four years is going to be like. And I started getting fearful. And I started getting, what's it going to be like when I walk into my office and I walk by his room and instead of hearing a conversation on the phone or hearing him play around with the guitar or something like that, it's silent. What's it going to be like when I'm working on my sermon on Saturday night and I'm looking out the window to see him come home from work and park his car in front of our house and he doesn't come home? What's it going to be like? What's it going to be like where we're six hours away and we're not going to hear about his day each and every day. What's it going to be like? And I felt like as I thought about those things, I heard the voice of the Lord. Ed, Hinnity, Hinnity, give me your son, your only son. Lay him on my altar. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to make sure that he is protected. But most of all, you're going to show me that that thing, that person that is more dear to me than anything is given to God. You see, my Isaac is my family. I look at Sherry when her health fails and isn't great. I just worry. I get anxious. Sometimes I even get angry. And God says, give me your Isaac. When I start to worry about this fall and what, what everything's going to happen with Evan, God says, give me your Isaac, your most precious, 
Not just the things you want to get rid of, but those precious things that you could never live without. Give them to me, and I will consecrate them, and I will know that I have all control of your life. What's your Isaac today? Are you willing to lay your Isaac on God's altar? I'm going to have the praise team come up, and we're going to lead us in a song that just simply says, I surrender all. And I'm going to ask um, Larry and, and Tommy especially to kind of help with this because I really believe I need to go to the altar today. I need to lay my Isaac down, my family, and just let God have complete control of that. All my fears, all my insecurities. I need to be like Abraham and say, Hinnany, here I am, God. I give you everything. I give you my all. And maybe you could say, well, Pastor Ed, I was sanctified years ago. I was sanctified a month ago. I, I've done this, and I, I agree. I was sanctified when I was a senior in high school. But we believe that sanctification is a crisis and a process. Yes, it happens one time, but there's a process involved as well. And a lot of times in my life, I need to continue to lay my Isaac down and say, God, you have control even my, over my most precious joy, my greatest love. It's yours. It's all yours. So let's stand and just sing these verses. If you want to join me at the altar, it's open. Be willing to lay your Isaac down this morning.